everybody, David Donaldson here along with my associate Joe Martin. And today we have with us Keith Barrett from Vesta Settlements. You got it. And what we're going to touch on today is actually, uh, it's a very sensitive subject for a lot of people. And I think it's sensitive because it's just lack of information for a lot of people and, and they're concerned about the wrong things. And what we wanted to bring to the forefront today is have a conversation around this little thing about a lawsuit, if anybody's kind of heard of it, that's been going on. Uh, in our world over the last couple of months. And the funny thing is I, I don't, well, it's in the news and the associates are kind of aware, but what they don't realize, but actually it was filed a couple of years ago. So this isn't really anything new. It's just new because we kind of have some results and then we have kind of a, a cascading effect coming out of it. And we want to touch on a couple of those, uh, those topics today as we kind of get into. So Keith, welcome to Entrepreneurial Impact. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Joe, this is this has been interesting. This has been the, been on our tongues and uh, conversations around the region for wait, a little wait, while. Wait, wait, we got sued. What's this lawsuit? Yeah, I'm no, confused. not not you, not me, not Keith. Gotcha. Uh, so what's this lawsuit? I'm really confused. I, I guess right. I've been living under a rock right now. Right. So unless right. So essentially, unless you've been under a rock, you're, you're aware that yes, there was a lawsuit that was filed in a state, and now we see it across multiple states. But Keith, why don't you kind of just kind of bring us into yeah? How, how did this all come about? You know, for the agents at home and listening yeah. and watching. Like, why would you want to sue the real estate community? Yeah, you know, you're right. It's it, it, This has been going on for a few years now. And uh, I think a lot of people got blindsided uh, when that when that verdict came down. Um, you know, <laughs> this this there's a lot of copycat suits coming out yep. now. Right. As well. So there's 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 a lot going on. Um, let's face it. The 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 real estate industry is a big industry. And and uh, housing in general is a big part of our economy. Um, the 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 trade association has been under scrutiny for for many many years as it relates to antitrust. But this, of course, was a, a, a private antitrust action. And there's a lot of money involved. Well, that, I think that's ding ding ding. There's a money, lot of right? money involved. I mean, it's 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 a it's a big industry. There's a lot of uh, you know. And look, let's be fair. It is. You could say that about a lot of things, right? We live in a mm -hmm. capitalistic society. There's a lot of money involved. You can end your sentence with that for a lot of different things and 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 apply that motivation to a lot of different people. So was there a lot of money involved in terms of the deals that have been done over the look back of what was four or five years as related to the suit? 100%. Was there a lot of money involved for the attorneys? <laughs> wow. 100%, right? Like, yeah. And we're talking about staggering amounts of money here. Like incomprehensible. You know, when I, I look back and just kind of, I guess we probably could have predicted this, right? We look at it, look, there's been some change in our industry. It's been happening over the last couple of years. And we've seen a lot of venture capital come in, right? Because at the end of it all, there's a lot of money being paid out, right, in our industry through title companies, through lenders, to real estate engines, to brokerage. There's a lot of money in here. So people have been coming at it from different ways of figuring out how do I get my piece? I guess it was just only a matter of time that somebody recognized that too and said, all right, well, let's get the lawyers involved and let's see how do we shake this tree and see what comes out of it from that side. Now, I think there's a big education. We're, we're going to get that to that a little bit in the future, but understanding how we got here, why we got here, what does it actually mean going forward as we get to that? But like, understanding that the lawsuit happened and it happened in one state, right? It started there. It was a lawsuit that was uh, anywhere. It was Keller Williams. It was Remax. It was in NAR. Yep. Um, essentially, real estate brokerages, as we know it, were on trial. Yeah. What was what were they looking at here? What were they charging us with? What yeah. was this corruption all about? 
So it, I think that's, that is a great question. And a lot of people have been putting this aside to the extent that they've taken the position that, well, the, the verdict's already come in. Like, we sh what do we care looking back at this? We're just looking forward. And I, I think that's the wrong attitude. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to understand, in fact, what happened. Like, because let's face it, in this day and age, you're, you're reading headlines, you're seeing people on social media, and what do we all assume, right? Oh, if I search it on Google, it must be true, <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's not oftentimes. So here's, you know, I'm, I'm not an antitrust attorney, but I know enough to be dangerous. Here, here's what happened. Essentially, the, 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 the issue involved in this particular case in this, in this federal court in Missouri was, is there a, a contract combination or conspiracy going on that unreasonably restrains trade? So this was an action brought under Section 1 of the Antitrust Act, okay. Sherman Antitrust Act. So when we think of antitrust, what, we, what do we always think about? Monopolies. Right. That's not this. That's Section 2. This is Section 1. So was there an unreasonable restraint of trade brought about by some illegal combination, conspiracy, uh, a contract, et cetera. And, and that's, the, that, 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 that's the issue. And what they did is they, they presented, you know, and let's have a candid conversation about this. They presented some pretty compelling evidence yeah. about that. And, and the evidence suggested what is essentially this, this three-legged stool, if you will, of, of, of a combination within an industry. And trade associations, unfortunately, as when it comes to antitrust law, you kind of have a larger target on your back when you're a trade association. Because what is a trade association at the end of the day? It's a bunch of competitors coming together. <laughs> That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. So this is the picture that was painted by by the plaintiffs in this case. And what 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 they presented was essentially the following. I'm going to break this down very easily. And for those that are interested, I got this off of what's called the summary judgment motion because we haven't we don't have a written um, you know final uh, order of the court because it was a jury verdict. Right? It was six people basically on a jury. They uh, found out their judgment in two and a half hours. It was very fast. What does that tell you about the education that was brought to those juries that, about what they were actually levying the decision on? That's right. And 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 to my point, what does it tell you about the case that the plaintiffs put on? Right? Correct. Because when you're looking at these just six people who probably bought or sold a home, mm -hmm. right, in their life, and and we always love to stick it to big corporations. Let's face right. it. Right. So. You're already one foot in the hole, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but but getting back to what was presented, what was presented was the the a web essentially a web of combination between tr the National Association, the major brokerages, as you called it, um, the the brokers and the franchisees, and they put together a case that that was pretty compelling, unfortunately. Uh, that basically said, look, we have we have a trade association. Well, who's on the board of directors of all the associations? Brokers, real estate brokers. Who's, who's on there? And then we have this MLS system. It's owned by the. It's owned by the, local <laughs> the trade association, who are run by brokers. And we have this cooperative compensation rule, which is mandatory. We have the code of ethics that says realtors shall offer cooperative compensation. All these mandatory things. Um, and they basically painted this picture that this essentially stabilized prices because 
the buyer in the transaction, at least as the plaintiff's case, the buyers in the transaction have no ability whatsoever to negotiate or discuss their own agent's commission. And they also painted the picture that the commission was being paid by the seller when, frankly, we all know what actually happens is the seller's paying the listing brokerage and then the listing brokerage is deciding to pay Correct. Uh, chickens well, let me, over, let me, right? Let me challenge this one for some thoughts, though, yeah. is that the funds never get released until the buyer's funding comes through. So I can have an agreement with you as the seller and the, the selling agent and the seller to say, I'm going to you know, compensate X, Y, Z. But if that house never closes, no one ever gets paid. So if you think about there's there's actually a, a really symbiotic relationship here that says, like, if the buyer's not qualified and they don't qualify for the loan and it doesn't close, no one gets paid. So who's actually paying the commission? Right. It's You're right. It's that, it's that endless cycle. And you can spin it either way. Yeah, yeah. Right, where does it you know, chicken or egg? Where does it start? But the buyers, right, got to be willing, able to perform. Without that ability to perform, nobody gets compensated. And actually, funny enough, who's truly harmed there? The people that did all the work to bring it to the table in the first place, right? So now I'm going to pause there because I, different states, different rules around representation, right? Buyers, sellers, right? And what's really interesting is when I moved here in 2012 was when. But when the Virginia, or the Virginias in general, I'm guessing, I don't want to isolate anybody, went through the change of buyer representation and the buyer broker agreement really kind of kind of came into the forefront. We had utilized it when I was licensed in Arizona. We came here. There's an educational gap, mm. unfortunately, and there's a scarcity of mindset of how to use the proper tools and have the right conversations that kind of allowed some of this to kind of come into play. The tools were there. Listing agreements are in place, spells out, what I might be compensated, what compensation I might share. And the agreement as buyer broker representation, which funny enough came about because of a lawsuit in the 90s, right? Because there was no buyer broker agreement in that place, which they felt harmed, right? And I actually think in that situation, rightfully so, mm -hmm. right? You really do need to be represented. Each party does equally need to be represented. And no, I think no, nobody knew what sub-agency was, right? The, the buyer right. thought that that agent was looking out for their interests, and that wasn't the case. <laughs> so when I look at the, this lawsuit and the things that are, I think a lot of it may or may not have been avoidable, but I think there's a lack of educational understanding that we have to look at internally to ourselves, to our brokerages, our organizations, our agents, the teams themselves. Mm -hmm. and going, are we properly educated and utilizing the tools that are at our disposal to properly represent and clear, clearly spell out what you're going to do in representation. So let me ask this question. As, uh -oh. an, as a realtor, right? <laughs> Hold on. He, he went on to Google. Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, no, no. This wasn't actually, this isn't actually Could Google, you. but this is the funny part about like communication, education, or just like whatever. So this is a statement from Remax when Remax settled its $55 million settlement in the state of Missouri. Remax LLC as a franchiser will continue to encourage you to be transparent in your dealings with all home sellers and buyers, especially in the areas of cooperation and compensation. We'll also continue to encourage you to be very clear that commissions are negotiable and not set by law or Remax LLC corporate policy. Remax will continue to expect Remax buyer side brokers and agents to be transparent and accurately disclosing their compensation structure. This has always been there. Yes. Commissions have always been negotiable. We've always, if you look at this realtor code of ethics, you're always supposed to be transparent and honest in your dealings with anybody that's signed on as a customer or now client of yours. So this is just interesting to me that when they put out this statement, this has always been there. 
no one's ever like looked at it or read it or whatever you want to call it, but you can't feign ignorance when you get pulled over for doing 100 miles an hour in a zone that's 60, right? <laughs> so like my point here is, is like, yeah, there needs to be more education. There needs to probably be more like disclosures on stuff, but this has always been there. This isn't new. Yeah. And I think you're making a good point, Dave, as well. Like, you know, the agreements that are used, not everyone uses buyer agency agreements uh, in Virginia for a while. Many agents here did not until that law changed uh, in the agency laws. Um, so I do think it's important. And and as as many listening may know or likely know, you know, we, we've now had a, a change to to these these brokerage agreements here in the Northern Virginia market to make it even more clear, as you're talking about, Joe, to, to make it even more transparent, to make it even more obvious that uh, that the, 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 what they now refer to as buyer agency compensation in the agreement is number one negotiable, that there's no set fee, it's not fixed, it's not suggested in any way. And these forms have now been updated and changed uh, in that regard because Again, we even in our forms, you know, as 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 it relates to this lawsuit, we had some troubling language in there. You know, we had language that seemed like or made one feel like it was mandatory in some way. And then, Joe, to your point, I mean, I that, I agree with you. I, I I think I think intentions there are important, and those policies are important. The the again having a candid conversation though, the the problem for the defense in this case, however, was. Um, the the whole uh, I guess I would refer to it as like do what I say and not what I do as it relates to that because the evidence that was presented and again now this is just Missouri as you said Dave correct but if you look at the evidence that was presented despite what you just read uh, when you look at the subject MLS in Missouri and they, this is going back now four to five years is what this case covered they were able to demonstrate that well north of ninety percent of every transaction that occurred over the last four to five years had a cooperative compensation of exactly three chickens. And none of the cooperative compensation had what we refer to as a nominal amount because, of course, we know it was mandatory to enter it into the MLS, but they said you can enter any amount. They changed it to one cent, to right? right. Uh, but, of course, no one was doing that. So, again, and I think this gets back to what you were saying, Dave, is I think it's good to have these discussions and have an honest discussion as an industry about, okay, where can we learn here? Uh, you know, and, and, and what, can we, what can we take away from this and, and move forward? And, and here's the point that a lot of people are missing. We are going to move forward. I mean, you know, a lot of people are having this, this, this attitude of like the sky is falling Armageddon. It's like, no, no, no. Guess what? Every year from here on out, four to six million homes are going to be sold in the United States of America. And, and, and it is my belief that a lot of people are going to want the counsel and value proposition of a really good real estate agent. Well, that, that just, that changes the education on, the onus is on us. Yes. The onus is on the real estate community to do better. Um, we can check back in on the lawsuit. So there were actually two things in different play because there were things that happened before the, the judgment of the lawsuit. Right? You were talking about the documents of, of mandatory compensation in the MLS uh, of a dollar or one cent, whatever it was, to being now being zero. And people say, hey, there's no real difference between zero and a dollar. True. And we weren't seeing really a dollar being offered either, but now you have, there is no mandatory right. compensation in that, in that complex. 
but that unchannels a lot of other things that what does that do? Well, it may, may not do anything. It It is now truly, okay, you have to have the conversation with the consumers about what does this mean? Mm -hmm. So the only question that I'd have for clarity purposes. I get my only one? Well, no, 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 because I think it's also important like where this comes from, right? Like I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll absolutely put a statement out there that I'm wrong <laughs> after this if, it, if it's incorrect. But when you sit for your you know, pre-licensing exam to get licensed at least in the state of Virginia or the Commonwealth of Virginia, there's a whole thing that brokers can set their standard of commission, but you can't co-opt with a competing broker to set that. So if you're a broker, I'm a broker and I have an agent in my office, I can say that we have a certain standard for anybody that hangs their agent license with my broker, that we have a standard of what we charge our clients. For, your, we, side of the, for, for your side of the for transaction. For my side of the transaction. Correct. Yes, right? Now I have to say what is my side of the transaction, and then before they become clients, they are customers, which is where the negotiation happens. So if you're a consumer and I'm meeting with you to go over buyer side or list side comp like the agreement, mm -hmm. you I, I can say this is what my 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 brokerage requires. You can choose not to not to sign it because they're not clients of yours; they're customers at that point, right? So so remember that a lot of this challenge came from the fact that you have brokers that can set what their minimum standard is for what they charge their future clients. But I can't, if you're a competing broker, you're a competing broker, and I'm a broker, I can't sit down and talk to you about what our standard of chickens is going to be. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that needs to be clear for people is that they don't understand that there is a, the ability for the broker to designate what we will minimally charge people. Or they could say, we don't have a minimum at all, and it's just a dollar, whatever you want to call it. Correct. But we can't talk about that, which is where this whole collusion thing is coming from, is that for antitrust, we can't have competitors basically monopolizing what the compensation is going to be, which is what happened in Missouri, that they said that 90% of the people had a 3% or a three chicken compensation on the buy side based on transactions over that five-year period. So I always think that's an important thing is you don't actually hear that being said. And if I'm wrong, I don't know if you're supposed to talk about that stuff, but I think there's, there's, there, like, there's certainly some scarcity in mindset and some tabooism around what we can say, what we can't say, because everybody's scared to death right now, because even though the Missouri one has been finals, as we all know that, okay, they're, there was a there was a verdict. Mm -hmm. Okay, we lost. Our organizations lost. Whether somebody sold or not, that doesn't you know they're not off offering running either. Um, however, with that being said, right, and I just completely lost my train of thought there. I was really on it too. <laughs> so I, I just think that's important for people to understand. Is yeah. That like when you look yeah. at the Sherman Antitrust, is that you've got with the, you want clear cooperation because in a free market, being able to have friendly co like competition allows that like where the price is set based on the market and if you have a bunch of people they're supposed to be competitors aligning together you've basically stopped any type of free market which actually hinders the customer which is what you're at what the actual thing around this is protection of the customer that's right that's what it's all about you're right you're right and and, and a per I, I think what you're getting at is right like it's it's the when you read the rule under section one it talks about a combination contract conspiracy it's it's this collusion type of thing going on so people are free to set prices in a free market system yes. in fact you know you, you often I'm, wonder, allowed, like, I'm allowed to make money you apparently so you, you, in you america can charge, you can charge it 8% you could literally you charge, can charge 10% eight, you can whatever you want if they if they're 10% if they, they agree to it them, yes if right. they agree to it and say right. you can walk away and say hey don't have to sign with me you don't have right. to work with me but that's my right. that's my going rate but so that that again to balance that out though like that goes back okay if that's the case we could charge whatever we want 
you know, one some of the other evidence that was introduced in this in this Missouri uh, case was the you know these lawyers are not stupid, and they go through a process of what's called discovery when you go through a trial. And discovery is the process leading up to a trial where, you know, if I'm on one side and you're on the other, Joe, I get to request all this documentation from you. You get to request documentation from me, and then I get to go through it. Well, what do you think they requested? They requested all of the manuals, handbooks, and training materials of all of these brokers. Yeah. And how many chickens were in there for every single one? Six. And how many chickens were supposed to be offered? Three. And it was in writing in all the training materials. So in a free market, if everyone's free to charge what they want to charge, what these plaintiffs were basically saying was, well, how did this happen then? Right, and yeah. it's and it goes back to, well, they're they're all part of the associations. They'll do that, and and there had to be some sort of combination going on here. Whereas if you drive down the street, and you go to that intersection where there's three gas stations, and you look at what they're charging, and you go, well, they're all charging like within a penny of each other on all the gas. Well, that would seem to be like the same thing. You go, well, why isn't that illegal? And it's exactly for what you're talking about. It's because they didn't get together. <laughs> And having and talk about it. Well, yeah, to talk about it. Right? It's also it's not even yeah. just to talk about it. It's like that you have actions, then you have documents. You have yeah. like a, it's not just like hey, we got. It's literally all the other it, things. It, exactly. that says that there is some type of like, because and that the challenge is is that you want people to be in a trade association because you have similar wants in home ownership. Like let's be real, that a lot that the intent of NAR was always to protect private property rights. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be there for, right? And the realtors have always said that private property rights allows like freedom, allows wealth creation, allows independence, confidence, all those different things. And in turn, it also has some challenges in regards to what's what's come down in Missouri now. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and you know, again to counterbalance, and it doesn't matter at this point because the verdict is the verdict. You know, but what we didn't hear about is the opposite side of you know, the, the cooperative compensation, the MLS, and all the benefits that it has, mm-hmm. right? Is, uh, you know, we go, when you talk about clear cooperation, you talk about someone having pocket listing in Middleburg, Virginia. Well, if you got a pocket listing in Middleburg, Virginia, who's going to see that? Probably just a lot of people in Middleburg, Virginia. But if you put it on the MLS, you now have a much freer, open, less discriminatory access to information, access to information right? You avoid a lot of ills that could occur in that market. And and a lot of that didn't really come out, unfortunately, um, in, in the case. And well, there's part some of, you interesting know. about what was allowed to be shared and told yeah. to the jury. What, you know, I think that they were put in a tough spot of trying to make a decision off the information again, because then they're, they're, they're in a situation where how do you have an unbiased jury in that situation? If everybody, right, you're going to go find anybody that never bought a home? Well, they are biased because they couldn't buy how did you find yeah. everybody that bought a home? Are they at risk because they've been both sides failing to tie it all together, which Joe started earlier, is that there's a flow that has to happen here. Somebody has to have an agreement of purchase. Somebody has to have an agreement in order to fund that purchase, right? And that that's broken down. There's a lot of other things that could unravel here. It'll be really interesting where some of this goes, right? Does it affect prices? Could theoretically it could because why the I'm going to bring appraisers into the picture here, but appraisers say that that's never part of consideration. Right. I'm going to call baloney on that, right? What are the lenders? The VA comes into play because you cannot compensate representation through a VA agreement. That's correct. That's law. That's, that's not contract. That's law. So right. that affects a tremendous amount of our military, yep. right? Then you can say, okay, at the same time, 
does that adjust prices? Does it affect compensation? Does it fire burgers? If we don't compensate the other side, how is that other side going to have money to purchase a home? Does that lower purchase prices? All these things are unknown. And, Joe, you talked at the beginning about free market society. Look, there has always been, and when I started, been in business a little while, there really was more variation about offerings and what happens. You don't see a whole lot of flat fee, but maybe we'll see some more of that, right? There was seven, eight, nine, ten chickens being offered. I've seen it, right? Do people go out and go, you know what? I'm going to be radically different and charge more chickens, right, for the offerings because I'm that good. People will compensate you for work done. The question is, and it goes, we'll all come back to, and unfortunately training, and you were talking collusion, I think you're kind of looking at training there, mm-hmm. right? Because you're training people to say, because you have to build an expectation, you have to allow for costs, and you have to try to have to have a financial model in place. And that's really kind of what they hung a lot of this on, is saying, hey, we're teaching people how to build a business. Well, how do you know where to start to build, build a business if you don't know where to start? So we're giving examples, and we all gave the same example. I think what's interesting is the ramifications of like education of that jury. You know, mm-hmm. not being in that room and whatnot is like what did the defense educate the jury on? And I think the question, because like I'll use this one example. So historically before COVID, um forty percent of whole uh units transacted in the US were first time home buyers. Um at into into COVID, about towards the end of it, twenty beginning of twenty twenty two, it represented twenty six percent. The challenge there is you had fourteen percent of home purchases decreased by first time home buyers. Well, that's not great because if you have twenty six percent are first time home buyers, means that fourteen percent are staying as renters. And if you have people that are renters, we also understand that there's usually a difference of about twenty k in wealth, like total wealth ownership of a renter as opposed to about 200000 for someone that owns a home, right? There's a substantial wealth creation by owning a home just because of the forced savings account on it and the tax ramifications of the d- deductions. So when you see something go like that and then you realize that most first home, first-time home buyers are using down payment assistance or state-funded state um, programs, they can't afford representation that they're paying on their own. And right now, you can't bundle and finance representation. So if it goes down that road and says, okay, let's call it, maybe it goes hypothetically, don't know if it goes this way, but like, okay, so maybe it's like sports agents, right? That everybody, when you want representation, you got to pay for your own representation based on whatever it is. Well, if the buyer can't can't qualify for their own down payment, how are they going to get representation? If they don't have good representation, they're not actually going to have the the opportunity, so going back to free market, they don't have the opportunity to be represented in a transaction where they actually know what's going on. And then you've got a bunch of unrepresented buyers basically going into the the what the what I call like one of the sleaziest situations you ever do is walk into a new home construction <laughs> as a buyer yeah, right. and not recognize that this listing agent's working on behalf of the buyer. They could care two tiddlywinks about like your best in offers, right? So I think that's a big challenge when you look at representation because if you can't bundle that into financing like that's an issue right and okay so i pay you whatever in compensation because that's the agreement we you negotiated and blah 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 but if i can't finance it okay so fine it's whatever like the financing of a commission is nominal in regards to the monthly payment based on the value that you get out of a, a qualified professional helping you negotiate and navigate the process of all the different things you can 
negotiate on as well as the different programs as a professional. And I think that's a big, big challenge that I don't know if enough people understand that like that is huge. That is that is huge. And going back to your point, Keith, on like all the different small businesses that are funded by home ownership. If you take away 14% of the units, now those people aren't even doing it as step up homes. So what they would normally, they're not even going in five to seven year transition. So you see title, mortgage, insurance, uh, punchless people, HVAC, chimney sweeps, pick all the things that go into like the transition of home sales, right? And I think that's a huge issue that no one's thinking about like in representation, because why would you ever, why, why wouldn't you want free, not free, but why wouldn't you want people to have access to representation so they're actually looked out for going back to what's in the best interest of the consumer? Yeah. And I think this is a lot like what a lot of people are talking about. And that's a big one, Joe, that you just hit on is, okay, you know, we could talk about what happened, but then a lot of people are talking about what's going to happen. And that's what you're getting to. Like what happened? What are, what are both the intended and unintended consequences of not just this verdict, but what the final rulings are, injunctive relief, are they going to, you know, completely disarticulate cooperative compensation? And then what the position does that put a first time or low income first time home buyer Correct. in? Like, what do you, you know, what do you do? What do you do in that case? And you're right, it, it's it, the commissions can't be financed. What we do know is that outside of a VA loan, um, you can, you can use seller subsidies. Uh, most lenders will will look at that, and you can use seller subsidies. Now it depends on the on the on the buyer's down payment amount. They have um, that's like correct, that. correct. But so you can you could look at getting seller subsidies, and on an individual case by case basis, you can have contract negotiations where you're negotiating a seller subsidy that in part pays for buyer representation with their with their agent. Um, and then, you know, if you need more, uh, you know, just, just kind of off the top of my head, and I'm not a lender, so I probably shouldn't even be dipping my toe in here, but, you know, you talked about possibly decreased home prices as a result. You could see negotiations where uh, maybe there's not enough in the deal, and you actually see a negotiation on an increased home price purposefully in order to essentially smooth over the negotiation for the seller to give the, the, the closing cost credit that will cover more of the agent's commission. But, but your overall point is, is really well taken. And, that, and, and it is undeniable, undeniable statistically, that home ownership is a wonderful wealth creation vehicle mm-hmm. because it forces it. Um, and we should not be denying that uh, to folks that, that, uh, that need it. 